Welcome to Inside the Founder Studio with the California Technology Council, where we bring you perspectives directly from startup founders and investors in every episode. Now we turn to our host in our Northern California headquarters, Matt Gardner, founder of the California Technology Council. Hi, everyone. It's Matt Gardner at the California Technology Council. Welcome to the new format of the CTC Podcasts. On today's episode of Inside the Founder Studio, we're going to hear from Mike Ritter, co-founder and CEO of Slant Range. Before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsors at Office Depot. Leading a startup team? Hi, this is Janet McTaggart with Office Depot. Whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or setting up a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture. From getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo, Office Depot can help. Learn about how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all these startup essentials and more at californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. Thank you, Janet. And for all the latest that CTC is up to, be sure to check out californiatechnology.org. And the background to today's episode is that a few months ago, CTC held a demo day, which we call a first pitch, on drones and aerospace, and a surprising theme emerged in ag tech. Mike Ritter's company, Slant Range, was declared by the judges of first pitch drones and aerospace to be one of our best in shows. And here's our conversation. On this episode of Inside the Founder Studio, we're speaking with Mike Ritter, co-founder and CEO of Slant Range. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Mike, can you start by telling us uh, what Slant Range offers as a, uh, a sort of integrated set of solutions and uh, what makes the company unique in the ag tech uh, information space? Right, so what we do is we, we've developed a, an integrated set of hardware and software tools that are providing agronomists and farmers information on the status of their, of their uh, crops that they've never really had before. Um, our, our sensor systems are designed to be operated on low-flying, slow-flying aircraft, uh, basically the, uh, the lightweight drones that you hear so much about these days. And we have a software tool set on the back end that takes the information from our sensors and, and produces a variety of information uh, based on the crop that we're monitoring and uh, the stage of growth that the, the crop happens to be at. So, Mike, obviously the cost of sensors is getting close enough to zero that uh, makes all this possible and it makes it a lot more affordable for applications like this. But uh, w what makes your uh, combination unique, and, and would this have been possible 10 years ago? Well, the technology uh, was certainly possible 10 years ago, but uh, the, the economics were, were the thing that didn't really work. Um, like, like you point out, it's, it's the, the, the falling cost of, of hardware uh, that's really enabling this, and, and it's, it's the aircraft as much as the sensor that's enabling the, uh, this. We're not in the aircraft development side of it. We're, we're the intelligence system for the aircraft, but it's, it's the falling cost of, of all those components that really enables this uh, technology to be used now by, uh, by farmers and agronomists and not just uh, the defense industry. Um, from, from what we do on the unique, on the unique side, uh, we're doing a couple of things. One, we're producing information. Uh, we're not just taking pictures of crops. We're actually uh, deriving some specific metrics on crop growth. For example, uh, 
what's the crop uh, plant density out there, what's the weed density for, for targeted herbicide applications. Uh, and we're working on things like developing uh, forecasting, uh, forecasting of yields and, uh, and things like that. So we're providing specific pieces of information uh, that are developed specifically for the particular type of crop we're working on. Uh, furthermore, uh, our, our technology enables us to produce a result immediately uh, for the producer. In most cases, our, our customers are working in, in regions that might be deprived of good network connectivity or good computing technology. Uh, we've developed some tools that basically uh, produce results immediately on board the airplane uh, so the technology can be scaled anywhere in the world um, without, without the need for high network uh, bandwidth or, or computing technology. That is pretty amazing, Mike, and, and I, I would imagine that this is more than just straight imaging, right, that you probably also are uh, taking uh, in sensor information that tells you something about temperature and water levels and infrared. Is, is that sort of stuff all possible in the same onboard platform now? Right. Well, it is a mix of measurements that are happening all at the same time. One of them, uh, the most basic measurement, is we're, we're characterizing how light interacts with the, with the vegetation canopy, and we can infer things about what's going on at the biological level from those measurements. Basically, we're, we're seeing how light interacts with the plant uh, across the, the visible and the, in, into the near-infrared regions of the spectrum. But at the same time, we're doing other measurements. Uh, we characterize uh, the sunlight that's coming down from the sky in the first place, uh, which needs to be done to make sure you have accurate, repeatable measurements, which, uh, of course, is necessary if you want to start making predictions and, and forecasts and things like that. So in addition to that, there's, there, there are ancillary measurements related to, you know, temperature, where, what the position and attitude of the aircraft are when the measurement was taken, all these things. Uh, go into uh, basically calibrating the information and then positioning it correctly on the Earth's surface. So can you talk a little more about what difference that longitudinal data is making at the farm level? Uh, exactly. So what, you know, uh, there was a revolution in farm technology maybe uh, 15 years or so ago when, you, when they combined GPS uh, with yield monitors, uh, farmers were suddenly able to visualize how their, how their crop yields developed over the course of the season. And, in two dimensions over their fields. Um, that was a revolution, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. Um, but really still, it's, it's, it's just kind of an uh, uh, accident investigation, if you will. Uh, you can see what happened over the course of the season, but, you, don't, you know, you weren't able to do anything about it. So our technology is creating a record of the development of, of a field that has never existed before. And you can do two things with this. One. As the information is coming in, you can act on it uh, immediately. Um, the second thing you can do is it's, it's quite clear from the data that uh, how well this in information correlates with yields at the end of the season. So um, what we can begin doing is uh, start forecasting where yields are going based on very early season measurements. You know, you, you made a point of mentioning that you're able to deliver this even in low bandwidth areas has uh, your kind of global technology acceptance been uniform, or are there particular markets where there's a, a, a greater sort of sense of technology risk and a willingness to be experimental? To be, to be honest, we've been uh, amazed at the appetite for the technology seems to be much higher in, in foreign countries, uh, specifically um, the Southern Hemisphere, actually, um, South Africa, Australia, um, Brazil, Argentina, uh, we've had a lot of interest out of these areas uh, uh, comparatively to, uh, to the United States. Um, 
And that might be in part for, for example, we have some systems operating in South Africa, and part of the reason that it was uh, it, it worked so well for them is the ability to go into regions where there's, you know, virtually, you know, no modern technology for for, for moving huge amounts of data around. Um, the solution just it doesn't uh, it doesn't work unless you can produce a result right there. With a kind of a seasonal growing cycle, how uh, how are adoption rates uh, going for you season by season? Is it uh, is there a peak that takes place in the spring because uh, new farms want to be online for the entire season, or what does that what does that kind of um, uh, new customer look like for you in your market entry? Right. So there there is a very season. You know, it's an annual cycle. Um, and typically, so for in the northern hemisphere, and in, in, in the uh, we work largely in the you know the corn soybean belt of the United States. Um, they are completing harvests now, and their annual cycle is to right right away begin thinking about what their plans are going to be for 2016. So, uh, as far as our business development cycle goes, uh, we are heavy into doing the demonstrations of the technology for for customers next year, so they can have. Uh, all of this stuff lined up for them, but by the time the season starts for them uh, next April or May. Um, uh, on the other side, though, however, our you know our customers in the southern half or in the southern hemisphere are just starting to put the technology to use for their season, uh, and uh, we've been working with them over the past several months uh, on the business development side. Um, uh, as far as adoption goes, uh, this is brand new technology to to you know most people and. What we've seen largely is let's let's try this out on a select uh, number of fields or a select percentage of our acreage, and uh, seeing how it works, we'll we'll apply it to larger acreages next year. Yeah. So as you say, it's a brand new technology, and you're an early entrant in this space. How competitive is this market for you know this kind of integrated solution set, uh, and and where are your advantages coming from from your point of view? I would say yes. It's a, you know it's it's a huge market opportunity, which uh, you know it's, it, agriculture is the, the largest industry in the world, and you know the the production cycle uh, portion of the industry is is very important. Um, so that will naturally bring a lot of competition. Um, that that being said, though, um, we have yet to really run into a competitor uh, any, anywhere really out in the marketplace where we're operating. It's just, it's such a, a large market, uh, despite the competition. Um, uh, it's uh, a lot, a lot of opportunity out there. Um, you know, the, the, the aspects of what we're, you know, what makes us, uh, different, you know, the combination of the hardware and software solution set that allows us to deploy the technology anywhere is a major piece of it. But probably the stronger thing is, uh, our, our team, uh, is all comprised of people who have developed similar technologies going back several decades, primarily for defense and intelligence applications. Um, our team has been developing systems like this uh, for uh, Predator-class uh, military aircraft going back uh, quite a ways. Um, and what we're working on today is is very much the same type of technical problem. It's just a different application and different industry. So Mike, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that are uh, really about getting your advice for future entrepreneurs, um, and, and this is about your corporate structure. So you have a closely held corporate structure, or uh, you did not long ago. What options did you consider early in the company's history and its formation, and what decisions have you made regarding your options for taking in capital? Let's see. What decisions did we make early on? Um, well, first of all, I you know, 
really early on, we, we, it was, I guess you could call it a capability-based strategy, which is that uh, we, we focused our development efforts uh, around uh, what the core skills of the founders were. Uh, there was a, we saw the market need out there, and we could, have, we could have positioned ourselves to do a lot of different things in that market space, but we focused on the intelligence system of the drone aircraft uh, because that's what we're good at, and that's what that's what we know how to do. Um, we, uh, you know, a, another piece of advice I'd always give is that um, we very quickly developed a, a very rudimentary prototype and put it to testing immediately, and it had been in a constant cycle of iteration on improving design. Um, I guess some people refer to this as the lean startup approach, and I, you know, that's been a great strength is to continually be out there testing it testing your technology, but also validating it against your customer base that it's providing value. Um, part of that cycle actually resulted in us uh, obtaining our seed round funding um, in, in an effort to try to show that uh, our, our product had value to customers. Um, we showed it to a group of uh, farmers and agronomists in the Midwest who actually ended up being our seed round investors. Were those, what kind of investors were those seed round investors? Were they uh, angels or were they institutional funds? What, what did they look like? Um, angels. Uh, it was uh, largely uh, a group of people who uh, invest in uh, different business opportunities together. And at the time, they had been planning to invest in a, uh, a series of um, uh, basically a, a wind power farm. And they 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 put that that opportunity aside to to invest in our company. And that's that's really how we got started. And. Um, not only uh, the monetary, the cash flow was uh, was a great benefit for us, but uh, the expertise that's within that group uh, in terms of both farming, agronomy, and crop insurance has, has been a great benefit to us. Interesting. So the the expertise of the angel group can make a difference. Absolutely. Uh, they 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 very much have shaped um, what we now produce as you know what what we offer as a set of data products. Um, they are specifically designed to the questions that they always face uh, in their own in their own business. And how actively engaged have they stayed? So we we talk to them almost daily. Well, that's fantastic. Do you think that's uh, the norm, or has that been unusual in your experience? You know, I I, I don't know. Um, I I would hope it would be the norm. I think that you know anybody that's involved in a startup, whether they're an investor. Uh, or, or part of the, the you know, the, the founders or the employees that start, um, you know, everybody's working to a common goal, and and every each person has something they can contribute. And, uh, you know, our investors have all been helping us in, in, in different ways. Not all of our investors are in farming. Some of them, um, you know, are come from the finance background, and they've been helping us in different ways. So, Well, so not long ago, Slant Range won a best in show at one of our first pitch events. Uh, we obviously hope when we're putting those together that you'll make new contacts. Was that event fruitful for you? And what advice would you give to entrepreneurs that are coming into a first pitch event in the future? It was great. We, um, it was a great exposure for us. We got a lot of, uh, a great, a lot of great press from it. Uh, also made some good contacts uh, that while we were up there um, for that show. Um, so absolutely, I would recommend it to any, anybody else who's considering participating. Um, advice I would give, uh, you know, I think, you know, you're only given a few minutes to, to put your, your idea in front of people. And uh, like ours, sometimes it's uh, maybe a uh, technically complex problem right, that you're working on. Uh, 
but trying to simplify that and, and reduce your, uh, your, your solution and, and the problem you're working on to common sense terms is probably the, the key thing to do. Mike, one of the interesting things about the timing of your win was that we were early in the rollout of the Tech Council's own set of member benefits. And of course, you've been watching that now over the last few months. So we're now up to uh, about a dozen of these programs. Have you found that uh, these member benefit programs can be helpful to you in your growth? Absolutely. Um, time is the most precious resource um, for any entrepreneur. And every, every, every ounce of time that you can save on working on some of the more, you know, mundane details of the business is time that you can spend focusing on uh, what, you know, the, the big problems. Um, so that's, that's where the, you know, the real value is. Thank you very much. This has been Mike Ritter, co-founder and CEO of Slant Range. Again, Mike, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. I appreciate it. CTC has podcasts upcoming with Amy Millman of Springboard Enterprises, Marlon Evans of GSV Labs, Chris Finan from Manifold Technology, and many more. Stay tuned for information. And for the latest updates on our cybersecurity initiative, life sciences, digital health, and much more, always be sure to check out californiatechnology.org. This has been Inside the Founder Studio with the California Technology Council. We look forward to visiting with you again next time. Inside the Founder Studio is produced in Northern California by the California Technology Council. 